Before we begin, just to let you guys know, our logo artwork was designed by Nicole Anarchy and music by Taylor Paisley French. Warning, this podcast does contain spoilers for the Verse series. Hello everyone and welcome to the Best Damn Camp Riordanverse read-along and analysis podcast that sets out to read all the books by Rick Riordan in timeline order. I am your host Fran, I am having dinner, but welcome to the show. Today we continue our timeline journey with the beginning, not the beginning, no, what, we're on to the next chapters. Oh my god, this started off well. With the next chapters of the Titan's Curse. Chapter 3. Bianca D'Angeli makes a choice. And chapter four, Talia scorches New England. And yes, I had to Google New England because I've heard of it. And even though I support the team, I don't actually know where on the map that is because I didn't think that was near New York um, or Long Island. I don't know America. As um, has been pointed out to me in a hysterical manner by both uh, Natalie of Floor 600 and Robert from Into the Royal Nursing Consult the Oracle, although Consult the Oracle isn't much of a thing anymore, but I still bring it up because it deserves to be brought up. Um, so yeah, distance, maps, pff, America, pff, nothing. Um, which is ironic considering this entire series is very American heavy. So, um, fun! Um, <laughs> But to carry on though, so those are the chapters looking at today and as always I do have my points to focus on and today we've got also characters, story and generally what I thought of it. But to begin, here's the synopsis. Confusion, grief and a frustrated Bianca leads to insight into Artemis and the Hunters. A big disagreement with Talia and a judgmental Percy making a comeback. It didn't end there, however, as sibling conflicts lead to Talia being responsible for global warming. And that is pretty much the basic summary of these chapters and what is happening in this in this story currently. Because um, there's a lot that happened in these two chapters, whilst also not a lot happening. And this is something I've come to realise in uh, in this series. The first couple of chapters, things happen, but nothing of complete significance happens although obviously last chapter we do have Annabelle so we've got like a big conflict thing but then it kind of slows down a little bit and then there are a few small little things that pop up here and there and then that's kind of it for a little while but for chapter three Bianca D'Angelo makes a choice here is our overview because that is where we are starting devastation abound while Percy is as clueless as usual Bianca is literally the only logical person who is justifiably mad and freaking out. Nico is the kid that talks too much and same Percy, same. Percy is a jerk because Talia is talking facts. Artemis and Zoe are annoyingly judgmental but hey now so is Percy so what are you going to do? 
Bianca makes a decision for herself and should not be judged as harshly as she is for it. Artemis will leave them and everything is just a little bit... Ah! And that pretty much sums up this chapter. Ah! Um... <laughs> There's a lot that really that there's a lot that happens in this, whilst at the same time, not a lot is happening. And considering I mentioned this bit about Bianca in this chapter, I don't really want to talk too much about her in this chapter in particular, just because I think the two jap- chapters combined are needed to kind of talk about her a little bit more. But what I do want to talk about that is our introduction to the hunters, because as someone who is a hunter themselves. I am not a fan and this is definitely something I have had an issue with with the hunters presentation in the series I find it does get better as it goes along like Trials of Apollo that I have read has a much better presentation of the hunters and Heroes of Olympus does a lot better as well but initially the hunters and in their introduction I am really really not a fan of it and I think it was done quite poorly and wasn't presented well enough to kind of gain a connection to these characters. And it, admittedly, this is the one downside that I do have Titans with Titan's Curse as a whole. There's some characters that we need some personal, important insights to connect with them, which we never actually really get. And I don't understand why, because it doesn't make sense why we wouldn't get that. Um... And that's kind of what's happening in this chapter. This is our introduction to the hunters. Like this chapter is the main chapter about the hunters. And I just really hate how belligerent they are. There's just no reason for it and I don't understand why. They're they're like revered and important to history and in the mythology and I just don't understand the hostility in this unnecessary way that's there. Um, I can get it. I no, the hostile part is the bit that I don't get. I can understand because it's a whole turn you're back on the company of men, and um, that added in bit of like uh, turning turning away from romance as well, like romantic inclinations. So, company of men is a specific part, and there is a host- a lot of hostility, particularly from Zoe and Artemis as well, towards boys. And the opinion of romance and that just there is a lot of not problem kind of problematic i think that's the way i can describe it problematic elements about the opinions and attitudes of the hunters relating to girls who have an interest in romance after and that's when they can't really join the hunt the moment that happens and the thing that's just kind of come into my head of another way in which i I can think of where that happened is Chronicles of Narnia with Susan, obviously the eldest sister Susan. She's not allowed into what's technically the holy place, I guess, because she has turned to quote unquote frivolous needs and material things like makeup and boys and stuff like that. And it's it's made fun, she's made of fun of it, that she's made fun of because of it by her siblings and Narnia. And that's kind of what I'm seeing happening here with the Hunters, which I find really, really frustrating. But then the hostility as a whole, it's never really explained why there is hostility. Like the whole thing of like um, Artemis talking about turning someone who stumbled across the Hunters and turning them into a jackalope. That I get. That is history, not historically, mythologically accurate. Because if someone stumbled onto the Hunters, 
uh, and saw them and stared at them and kind of invaded their privacy, they would be punished for it. So that's accurate. But the in-front hostility for no apparent reason other than the fact that Percy is a boy just feels illogical because there's no there's not like a hatred of men they they aren't man haters um especially considering we do actually have male hunters that have been around and like the only one of them ended up poorly in terms of his relationship with the hunters both mythologically and in this series as well which comes up later but one of them he was like he was perfectly lovely they all liked him they all cared about him he was really nice he himself was not interested in romance which is why Aphrodite cursed him so I just don't understand the the hostility there it just feels really unnecessary um what I do find interesting and this is something that has been confirmed by Rickards like his personal headcanon um we have the mentioning of the forswearing off romance and as far as I'm aware I don't think that's something that was originally in the mythology um, and I know lots of people weren't happy with that because they felt like by having the force swearing off of romance as a whole made the hunters no longer a sapphic safe space, um, which I totally get. I do totally get that. And I can understand the frustration side. But at the same time, like it's not saying that lesbians can't or bisexual women can't be part of the hunters. They just can't engage in romantic relationships and still stay in it and then i know also there are issues with the the ace headcanon of the hunters being ace due to this whole idea of like choosing it's very problematic uh, it's not a perfect headcanon 100 i just personally i do like this idea of a safe space for people who do not wish to engage in romantic ties i like that there is somewhere to go for safety within that i really like that message not the best headcanon, not the best worded headcanon either from Rick and from the fandom itself. Um, but I like that idea of the hunters being a safe space from people who may want to get out of the company of men, but also for people who don't want to be involved in romantic engagements. Um, I, I think that's really lovely and I really do like that. I just wish it was focused on more in that area instead of the man-hating element that seems to be prevalent in their interactions. And unfortunately, I'm not really a spoiler, it kind of continues. It doesn't really get any better except for the later series, which (laughs) has the masses been worked out, we'll probably get to in about seven years' time. Um, (laughs) So yeah, I'm just kind of... I just wish, strong language-ish here, that they weren't dicks in this in this chapter they really come across as quite horrible zoe is the biggest example but artemis doesn't help at all um it is a safe space from the company as of a safe space away from the company of men as well as somewhere to be away from romantic ties but that attitude makes these slight positive elements for people who need that safe space come across in a really negative light um, and that I'm not a fan of. But speaking of the company of men, Percy is the next person I want to look at in terms of this chapter because I am, I still love Percy, but I am finding issues with him. <laughs> and this chapter just showed it off because he has 
no right at all to be angry or judgmental towards anyone at this point. He's judging Bianca for her choice to join the Hunters, even though it's... Honestly, it's no wonder she joined. She's just seen someone who she thinks is dead. She's just been attacked, which he put them in danger of. He caused the situation to get worse because of his own arrogance. All of this has put her on edge. She's seeing her brother being excited and thrilled with the idea of everything that's going on. She herself, as we have seen in this chapter, is truly freaking out and is confused and scared. And her brother and everyone else is really calm and no one is really kind of taking her seriously. They're trying to explain, but they're kind of not doing it the right way. And Artemis took her aside to speak to her, probably to explain everything to put her more at ease, because she was panicking. But no one else around her was really trying to do anything to help her, which, it's no wonder that she joins the Hunters, because the first person who's helping her understand who she is, what she could be, what is going on, the entire situation, understanding her as a person, someone who's been tied to being this, Nico's basically carer, they don't have any family, she's She's the person who cares for him. She's an adult who is a 12-year-old. And so she's finally getting to be herself. I 100% completely get her wanting to join. And Percy's instant judgment in relation to this. And the fact that he continues to judge her for it as well. Without even trying to understand. And I get this is relating to him as a person. He's an incredibly loyal person. He would see this as her being disloyal. But at the same time, you don't understand what this person has been through. I know he's a kid, but at the same time, you think he wants to try and understand because he's he's so reliant on people. You think he'd look into it a little bit more and try and understand her. But he doesn't. He just goes straight to the judgment and just kind of sticks with it. And uh, it frustrates me a little bit. And then also... He has absolutely no right to try and backtalk Talia when she's telling him the truth that his arrogance and idiocy has put them in this situation with Annabeth gone, with the Hunters getting involved, with Bianca technically joining the Hunters, because if he hadn't have been an idiot, this situation possibly would not have ended up the way that it did. But he then tries to fight back with her until he sees Annabeth's cap. He is trying to say... He's trying to fight back all these facts because it's true. He was arrogant and an idiot because he wanted to one-up Talia. So he has no right to try and back-talk her because she's correct. He's the one in the wrong. Also, (sighs) nicest way to him at all. And kind of like this writing, this is a thing that I find doesn't happen with Percy as a character so far with this deeper dive. I haven't seen it really happen that much, except small little bits here and there, like with the Tyson situation. You would think that considering that his arrogance in this moment led to what's happened here, he would take this time to self-reflect on the fact that this is, in a sense, his fault. But he doesn't. He doesn't self-reflect. He doesn't even really take any responsibility for it. I can't remember if he does in the next coming chapters, but he is almost adamant that it's not entirely his fault. 
and that's really frustrating to me like i love his i love a character and i love his character and i love his character faults but the lack of this reflection so far is a bit of a joke to me because how can you improve and understand other people and become a better person and a better character if you don't self-reflect on these moments of pure idiocy and again maybe it happens again in the next couple of chapters um, I can't remember exactly but so far I'm disappointed that that hasn't happened in these two chapters and no I've, I, I just want to say I know I'm being really harsh on Percy as a character I do love his character and I do love Percy but it is really frustrating to me that he doesn't seem to learn and he keeps making these mistakes that's kind of all I'm saying here. But to move on before people start to think I'm a, I'm a hater of Percy. Let's move on to chapter four. Talia torches New England. And here is the overview. So many sibling problems here. My gods. Apollo is that trademark kind of guy. And I, oof. Judgy Percy is back. I question the idea of kids learning to drive at such an age in America. And then of course, my fears are confirmed. Fear abound and I am reminded of my mum's driving. With global warming incoming, we crash land at camp. Now, the main thing I want to talk about these this chapter, and while I've got a few things to say about Percy, the main thing I want to focus on is Talia and Bianca. Now, Talia, as I said in the previous episode, is an incredible leader and is really passionate about people and helping people. But she also has a rivalry and hate for the hunters that we don't really know at this point. I think it's leading to her being slightly more reckless in this chapter and the, the previous chapter as well. She can be judgmental, but, you know, who isn't as a whole? But... What's interesting is that we do actually see this effect of her time trapped in the tree. She doesn't really know much about her identity. She doesn't really have anyone left. Annabeth was her last connection to her life that she had and now she's gone. And I think she's kind of spiralling a little bit. She is becoming not like a loose cannon but she's definitely becoming more frightened and confused and conflicted about what to do and this moment with her driving the sun chariot and the fear that she has while she's doing it whilst we do know the reason why later on there's something about this that intrigues me with the, the seeming fear that she had of this driving and I think it's this idea that she is afraid of losing control and the fact that she's never had a semblance of control in her life at all. Her life is controlled by... I don't think this is brought up yet, but it's not really much... Oh no, it's kind of a spoiler. Um, so I won't mention it. But her parental heritage, both with Zeus and her mother, as we learn later on, leads to a lack of control in her life because... She has to be these, this perfect person because she's a daughter of Zeus. She's also lost so many people. Luke is gone. He's now a bad guy. Annabeth has disappeared. Her father obviously is nowhere to be found. He turned her into a tree as well, something she also had no control over whatsoever. So everything feels out of control. And driving this car for the first time, 
she also doesn't have any control she doesn't know what she's doing and she begins this chant of i'm under control i have control i have control and while we learn the reason why she is acting like this i think underneath it all it is her fear of not having control in her life and not being able to have a path that she can choose for herself as we learn in this chapter she's actually 15 nearly about to be 16 she would become the child of the prophecy taking Percy's place so now her life has even less control it is now guided by a prophecy everything that she thought she could have had is gone because it's now being decided for her by a prophecy that came before she even was a thought in Zeus's brain and that's a horrifying thought for someone so young that their life literally means nothing because it's guided by a prophecy there's nothing that they can do there's nothing that they can be except this child of the prophecy i think it's just a really interesting thing that i kind of picked up in this in how this in a sense reflects on who she is as a character and probably guides how she acts as well like no wonder she plans everything so meticulously is because she wants everything to go to this plan because she needs control of how things turn out and percy is the opposite percy is chaotic he has no plans he has no semblance of control he does what he can when he wants when he can do it which is completely opposite to everything talia is she's a planner and so I find it, I'm, I'm intrigued to see how this is going to continue, this idea of control with her. Whether it's something that I continue to pick up, that's the question, but it's something I picked up here and I'm intrigued to see what comes later. But to go with control, I want to talk about Bianca now. Now, I do want to say, I really do wish that we'd gotten a lot more introduction to Bianca as a character before this happened, because I get why people kind of hate Bianca for choosing to become a hunter to leave her brother basically think how Percy does because we don't know anything about her we don't know anything about her past we don't know anything about who, know who she is we learn these things later after this decision has been made if anything I would have preferred for her to make this decision when they got to camp like after they've seen further things when we've gotten to know her a little bit more have this decision made then and then maybe people can sympathize with it a little bit more see her separation from her brother see her brother more invested in camp life than she is and maybe we can understand that separation more but we don't really get that at all here so i understand where people's frustration for her can come about but at the same time, we do have to take into consideration the fact that she is a 12-year-old girl who's been left to raise her brother alone, has no semblance of an identity, of herself, of anything other than the sister who is raising her brother. She's freaking out. She's seen someone probably die in her mind. She's been attacked by a monster. She's having people tell all these things that she is, telling her who she is, not really giving her a choice as to who she is her brother is loving every single second of it he's invested in what's going on no one is seemingly caring about her feelings and then she gets to speak to artemis artemis takes her aside and what i assume asks her about who she is invests in finding out about her something that someone's 
that no one's probably ever done before because she's always been Bianca, the older sister of Nico, the carer of Nico, the person who looks after Nico. She's been nothing outside of that. That was her identity. Nico's sister. That was it. There was nothing else. And then for the first time, someone has seen her as something other than that. And she doesn't really know how to respond. She's she's kind of engaged with that, as anyone would be. If someone has not really had the chance to explore who they are, have someone speak and be interested and listen to them for the first time. You would want more of that. I know when I've had people ask me about my writing and I get really interested and invested. And you know, you have that moment of like, oh God, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to talk so much that was crazy of me and the person responds with no no I like it keep keep talking I'm intrigued to hear more that's what I think Artemis and the hunters of Artemis were like for Bianca she's finally had the chance to be who she is and be able to speak about maybe what she wants or who she wants to be or what she wants to do and before when she probably had that thing of oh I should probably not be thinking this because I've got Nico to think about Artemis for the first time has said Nico is obviously important or something like that and but I want to know what you want to do I want to know who you want to be think of yourself as an individual and I think that's it's an interesting idea and I do that this is why I do wish we got more of that more of Bianca before anything else and see that she's struggling with trying to be just this identity of Nico's older sister and we don't and that's poor writing on that part but I like this idea that it was an identity basically it was an identity decision for her to choose to be a hunter because she wants to be because she needs to be she needs to figure out who she is and what she wants to do with her life and who she could be and maybe she does and i think she seems happier and stronger as she says and she's able to engage with people outside of her brother for what it seems like the last for the first time. Because even at the dance, all we saw was her with her brother, no one else. She had no one else before. And Nico is spending time with the other boys, and he seems engaged with them. He's talking to Grover, he's making friends himself. I don't know, I just it could have been written so much better. But the judgment that Bianca gets for this decision is completely unwarranted, I feel because we don't know the context for it. But even without the full context, it's not difficult to deduce the reasoning behind it. And so that's what I think of when I think of the decision that Bianca made there. I think this is just these two chapters as a whole. So many things are happening. So many people are going through so many difficult things. Talia is struggling with her own self. It's all about self-identity really. Talia is struggling with her own self-identity. So is Bianca. And Percy, Percy isn't looking at his own self-identity. He isn't looking at at his identity because he knows that if he reflects, he will realise that there are problems there. And so these two chapters is, it's me thinking of self-identity for these two chapters which I think is something really important that needs to be brought up more in this series as a whole. Um, so these two chapters, really enjoying. I'm not enjoying Percy as much, which is unfortunate because I'm finding him to be a bit of a, a, not a nice guy at this point. Um, but every character needs to have these moments, I feel. Um, even if you're kind of like, stop it at the same time. 
But that is these chapters complete and my gosh, that's crazy. Wow, I can't believe it. Um, so of course, let's get to the main thing that you guys are interested in and that is the question of the episode. So what I want to know is, what do you feel about Bianca's decision? And do you look at it any deeply than just the surface level? Let me know in the comment section, obviously on the Instagram and Twitter post we'll put out, or email me here so I can know your thoughts. Uh, I did a video slightly relating to this called The Double Standards of Fandom. Um, I'm just mainly looking at uh, the female characters in the series on a not the most deepest level, um, as I only look at a few characters and the opinions that fandom that the fandom has in relation to them. And I will link that in uh, the comment set. No, not the comments. The episode show notes for you guys to check out if you are interested in such a thing. But as always, I want to thank you guys for joining me for chapters three and four of the Titans Curse, and be sure to join me next Wednesday as we continue our Riordanverse journey. Now, to plug where you can find our podcast, we are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audio Boom, Stitcher, and Deezer. In the meantime, between episodes, you can find the Best Damn Camp on various social media at Best Damn Camp Pod on Instagram and Twitter, and on Tumblr at thebestdamncamp.tumblr.com. If you want to email me with your own thoughts, you can email thebestdamncamp at hotmail.com, and I will read it out at the end of the show. Want to support this podcast and me? Check me out on Patreon at A Healthy Dose of Fran. And check out my YouTube channel, A Healthy Dose of Fran 2, for more Percy Jackson content. And drop me a follow at A Healthy Dose of Fran on Instagram and at A Dose of Fran on Twitter. Again, thank you guys for tuning in. As always, I've been Fran, your very own hunter. And I will see slash speak to you guys next time. So long.